Welcome back to the Over the Hump video series as we profile key administrators in the athletic department and break down what's going on this fall and also lead into the spring for athletics. I'm Evan Budrovich here with Sal Mercagliano, our faculty athletics rep and very well-respected history professor on campus. So Sal, obviously with the news of COVID-19 postponing many of the fall sports in the Big South Conference, some of the big questions people are having is how do you translate some of those fall sports into the spring? And manage the winter and spring sports all together possibly taking place in the spring? Well, obviously it's going to be a difficult. We have a couple of issues that we're dealing with at the same time. Number one, in my role as a faculty athletic rep is classwork. How do you get those students who would normally, you know, have maybe a semester or across two semesters of sport now jammed into one semester? And we may see a very abbreviated schedule too, where we're trying to get a season in in just a, a really a short amount of time, which means students could miss a lot of classes. So we're obviously working on that with our professors. Unfortunately, we've been really fortunate. We've been able to transition a lot of our classes to either completely online, to in-person, or more importantly, to a hybrid where, where we're giving the students the ability to take the class either as a sit down or online. So that's gonna help us a lot. We're probably gonna do the same thing in the spring. We're looking at a very similar operation in the spring so that we'll be able to accommodate our students. The other issue you have is, is one that's across the entire conference right now is a lot of our universities, we've been very fortunate at Campbell. We, we, we have pretty good dedicated facilities, you know, football and lacrosse share the stadium. But in other, other universities, they share, multiple sports share multiple facilities. And usually it's not too much of a problem because they're out of season. But now we're looking at potentially seeing universities having to put soccer and track and lacrosse all in the same facility at the same time. So it'll be a real juggle for schedules. And, and that's going to be a tough one. So, you know, I, I envision this November, you know, looking at a very tough, you know, kind of break where we're looking at schedules, trying to figure it out. And also depending whether or not we're going to be doing any non-conference games. You know, non-conference games are always important for the, you know, for the RPI and trying to get that in. But we're really trying to maximize getting our, our, our students a season of play, especially for the fall season that was kind of abbreviated for us and cut short. As a professor yourself, I want to pull back the curtain and ask you about this transition to the hybrid class environment. We saw it in the spring, kind of an abrupt, immediate online, and that, that was a drastic shift. But now that you've had a couple of weeks with the students and even seeing the student athletes just talk to you and have conversations, how have they responded just to this hybrid style? And maybe do they prefer it in a certain extent? The, well, first of all, the term abrupt is probably not as, as powerful a word as I would use for the spring, uh, for the spring semester. Uh, it, it was, first off, everybody adapted very quickly to that. And I, I think one of the things that's across the board, not just Campbell, but almost every university in the, across the country adapted to that in, in a very unique way. And so we've been able to take the summer. Uh, we put together a, a task force to kind of look at this. We put a lot of uh, abilities out there and a lot of programs out to educate our professors and how to use a lot of the, uh, the platforms we have that allow us to do a, what we call a hybrid level course where sometimes you're in class, sometimes you're not. So what we've done at Campbell is number one, we've reduced class capacity down to 50%. So, you know, if you had a 60 person classroom, that's down to 30, uh, 20 down to 50, down to 10. And what we've been able to do is number one, ask some professors who want to teach completely online to go online. We have, you know, we have some professors who are maybe a little more high risk at susceptible to COVID. And so we gave them the option to accommodate them to go online and they have uh, other professors, are teaching in person like I'm doing, but I have some large freshman level classes. So I had to develop a hybrid model. And, you know, we really left it up to the professor and to the, to the uh, class they're, they're having in how to design that course. 
because some courses are more conducive to it, some aren't. If you're an engineering student, you got to get hands-on, and so you've got to make that a little bit different than you would like a history course with me, where I could split my class in half, half are online, half are watching, you know, half are in class with me. And so you can really design it in different ways. And fortunately, we, we've had the technology in a lot of rooms. The technology is out there, which is, which is great. You know, we're, we're doing, you know, WebEx, we're doing Zooms, we're, we're doing uh, uh, Collaborate all through a Blackboard shell that we use. And so it's been really good. The students are adaptable. They really are. And, and one of the things that we're going to try to do for the spring semester, we weren't able to do it, obviously, for, for, for last spring because it was just on top of everybody. And even in this fall, we weren't able to do it as well as we want to. But we want to advertise what method of delivery classes will be. So if a student really likes that online format, they can take that. If they like the hybrid, they can take that. And so we'll give them a little bit more flexibility. And one of the other things we did too is the university was very uh, uh, willing to adapt and, and change things like attendance policies and, and formal structures to accommodate students. You know, what we want is, is, is to maintain the university open. That's, that's our key thing. And for many students, they like that in person. Even if they're only getting it maybe once or twice a week, that's better than none. And, and, and that's been our goal the entire time. And so we're trying to accommodate as much as we can. So we give students a very liberal policy if they come in contact with anyone, have any suspected, you know, uh, contagion that they can go ahead and quarantine and do their, you know, testing and, and, and sit out, but still maintain themselves in the class. I think that's very important because, you know, first and foremost, we're an academic institution. We want our student athletes to get that student aspect first. I'm curious, Sal, to that point, because you have these fall sports like the volleyballs and soccers who won't be playing this fall. That, that's been decided by the conference, but are still allowed their eight-hour work weeks and possibly up to 20 for a certain amount of months. But I'm curious how they're able to manage that and, and still be able to participate in their sport and practice, but also to get a more enhanced academic experience, kind of balancing all that, where typically in the fall, they're, they're kind of more heavy set with a more rigorous uh, athletic load. Yeah, I mean, it's a big adjustment. I mean, obviously, you know, the way they're practicing now is different than the way they would. So, you know, bigger sports swimming, for example, has got to do this half and half type deal. And same thing in classwork. And, and I think one of the things that makes student athletes unique is, is they are rigid in their time management. You know, our student athletes and all student athletes have to be rigid in their, in their time management. They have to really set things up. And this is just another element that's added to it. I think they're more capable of handling this thrown at them than anything else because they're so used to having, I got to factor in workout, I got to factor in practice, I got to factor in travel time. I gotta, you know, for some student athletes, it actually works out better. They're not traveling as much. They're not on a bus. They're, they're, they're able to get their academics in in a way <clears throat> that they usually can't do it. And so I think for student athletes, they're able to really accommodate this in a way. And again, think about student athletes. I mean, how often have, have a student athlete gotten hurt and now all of a sudden they got to sit out and they got to, their entire season has been changed overnight because of you know a, a calamity in their in their own lives and now you have like entire teams adjusting to that level and so i think for student athletes they're unique and i, I use them as a lot very much as a benchmark i, I tell you know other students like listen you, you've got to set your schedules it's you know i don't know what day i have class is it today or, is it, or you know on a monday wednesday friday schedule what days do i come in this week and it's like hey you got to put the you got to get get your calendar you got to figure this out and really kind of be rigid with it in the same way with student athletes they have to know what time they need to be at practice and workouts and, and, and meetings and so you know they're great at that they i tend to think that they handle this better than just the normal students sal since you have a such a close dynamic between the university side and then working with these coaches what has that conversation been like the last couple of months because there is so much to manage right a lot of questions that are thrown your way from 
from both sides coming together. What have you learned about this, just being able to sit down with both parties and, and have those conversations? Well, I mean, we, we had, I mean, there was a lot of issues going on. I was coming into the fall. Uh, there were a lot of things that we planned on, a lot of things we hadn't planned on. I, I mean, so, you know, all of a sudden, you know, we started getting concerns from some coaches about, hey, how do I get my, my international students back? That's an issue. You know, all of a sudden, you know, some teams may have one or two international. Some teams may be entirely international in their makeup. And so we, we were scrambling to, for that. How do we get those students back? What, what's the issue for getting their visas? And, you know, that was a real important element, having the coaches, because they're that conduit to the students. You know, it, it's, it, it's better to have a coach contact his team than to have, you know, us contact eight students scattered around the country. And because they're able to talk to the, the kids, they're able to talk to the families, they're, they're able to get, and they, they've done this in the past too. They, they know what it's like to get a kid out of Spain or out of Venezuela or out of Portugal. And, and so I, I think that's a really important. And the coaches were really instrumental in that. They played, and plus they were providing a lot of feedback from the students too. And, you know, right now it's important too. We're get, we need to get feedback from students on how are they adjusting to this semester. And, you know, for our student athletes, which are about 15, 18% of our student body, they're a great test case. It's good. It, we, we have, you know, uh, academic coordinators that meet with them on a daily basis. And we can get, you know, almost instantaneous feedback on what's working, what's not working in the semester. And we can provide that. Me as the faculty athletic rep, for example, I was a member of the fall task force. And so I was representing student athletes on that fall task force. And I can get some read very quickly on what's working, what's not working, and what do we need to adjust going forward. But coaches have been essential. They really have. And, and I understand how difficult it has been for them. They want to obviously do what they do. They, you know, they, coaches are, are, are tunnel vision. They, they see their sport. And we accuse them lots of times of seeing nothing else. But I have to say, they've been really open-minded on this. I, I think they've been great at this. They're highlighting a lot of issues. Uh, our coaches are great because they'll help other coaches. You know, we have, we, have, we have a travel issue with a kid who's from this country. I don't know what to do. It's like, well, you know, doesn't coach, what's his name, have a kid from there? Maybe you can talk to him. Or her, and, and I think that that's been great. I, I think that's been a really positive element that we've seen. I, I think the biggest thing, and, and, and maybe this is you know the silver lining on what's coming out of COVID and what we're doing, is we're learning a lot. And and one of the things I hope we do is capture that and apply it for going forward. You know, new methods of teaching, new new methods of delivery. You know, may, maybe some ideas with travel and, and international students that we need to be thinking about a little bit more. Because again, we can see you know it may not be a, a, hopefully, God forbid, it's never a, another, you know, outbreak like this, but we can see an instance where, you know, maybe a country has a restriction and we need to get, you know, that, that, that person out of there. And so I, I think one of the big things is when this is all said and done and we all take a breath and sit back and start watching sports again, uh, we catch our breath and we really cap, you know, capture this information and use it for the future. Sal, and, and finally, you're now tenured here at Campbell, so I do want to congratulate you on that. But Thank you. Having, having the dynamic of being able to work with these teams so close, I know lacrosse is a program that sits near and dear to your heart. What has been the, the response from these students, just in terms of having to be a little more patient with waiting to play? And, and really, outside of football, this has been a development time for them and being able to manage some of those mental health things and the physical standpoint just to get ready for hopefully an eventual spring here. It, it, you know, it's really tough, you know, because if you think about it, and, and like I said, I, I know lacrosse really well. I, I mean, you know, my, my image of, of last season was the Delaware State game. It was an amazing game. All the girls got to play. It was a high-scoring game. It was the biggest crowd we ever had for a lacrosse game because it was an education day. And that was it. That was, you know, we wrapped it up and that was it. And everything went, went, went gone after that. But, you know, it, it's, it's been tough for student-athletes because I'll give you an example of the lacrosse team. 
you know, a lot of the freshmen have been, freshmen for us have been out of school since March of last year. You know, they didn't finish their senior year. So they missed out on their senior year. They missed out their senior year in their clubs and high schools. And then they come here and they want to bond with their team. They want to do all the things that teams do, you know, and you know how bit crazy the beginning of, of, of a school year is. There, there are tons of events. Coaches are doing things. There's, there's team bonding events. There are leadership events. We haven't been able to do them because you can't get the normal practice. And so one of the biggest things I think coaches have had to do, and, and we see it across the teams, is really create bonding exercises to bring those freshmen in, those new transfers in with the team, especially when they're not practicing yet. They haven't been able to get their physicals. They, you, know, you know, spring sports, which are kind of low priority because you got to get the winter sports and the fall sports going, you know, all of a sudden you've got to come up with these, these events for them. You got to do things differently. And it's making our coaches, it's making our staff think of different ways to do it. It's making student life offices do things different. You know, we would have events across the university and we don't now. And matter of fact, we're, we're, we're trying to prevent large gatherings, which are the antithesis of what students want to do. They want to get together, but we don't want to go down the road of the big universities that did that. And all of a sudden they crashed and had to go online. So, you know, you get, you got to toe that balance. You know, I would call Campbell the Goldilocks school. It's not too big. It's not too small. It's just right. And, and, and so we got to fi figure out what's the right measure for that. We got to figure out what's the right measure for the teams, clubs, activities across the university. And what we want is the students to have a freshman first year experience that's important. We want our returning students to be the leaders we know they can. We want our seniors to have a great year, obviously. And you know, we're always kind of playing that balance. And it's tough. We got to figure out what works. You know, football is the big experiment right now with being able to play there for games uh the other teams are going to have to look to that and see what they can do and, and try to prepare and hopefully you know come winter and, and spring we get some semblance of nor normality back we, we certainly appreciate your perspective sal and i know all these kids are going through the the ups and downs of the day-to-day -day basis so it's neat to get your perspective on it and kind of see it from both sides so we really appreciate the time no i'm happy to do it evan and like i said uh we're looking forward to the season and as always go camels